If you have your Bibles, we'll just do a short thought from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 45. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 45. That's where uh, we'll be. And we'll, we'll get there in a second. But let me just say a few thoughts here. Is that joy is... Uh, wrapped up in uh, the Godhead, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is, the, Father, the Scripture says, in the presence of God is a fullness of joy. And that to be in His presence is to, to receive the fullness of joy. It says in Psalms 2 that He's a God who laughs. I don't know how many times sometimes when we look at God, but rarely do we see Him laughing. But He's a God of joy. The second is God the Holy Spirit. He's the giver of joy because it's one of the fruits. He, he produces joy in our hearts. And then you have God the Son. The Scripture says that He came to give joy in John 15, but He came to not just give us joy, but an overflowing of joy so that it spills out of you into the relationships that you have. The thing about joy that's unique is this, is that joy always expresses itself. You know, like, let, let somebody kick a last-minute touchdown or a field goal, and joy will express itself. Let a last-second shot be hit, and guess what? Joy will express itself. And we often sometimes don't think of, of joy in Christmas, but, but it really is uh, connected and the central figure, we just read about it here, one of the central figures of the Christmas story is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she, um, after she finds out she's with child, she goes away to her cousin's house, and she spends a few months there. And while she's there, she writes a song. And you could call this, this is our theme for this Christmas, the song of goodness. It's the song of God's goodness. Now, the reason I say joy always expresses itself, we just got back from Cuba, and something happened on the way there on a plane ride that totally caught me off guard. I'd never seen anybody do this before. But when we landed on the plane and we landed in Cuba in the airport, there was um, everybody started clapping and cheering and going crazy. All the Cubans, ah! and clapping, high-fiving, and I thought, what in the world have we got ourselves into here? But it's this thought that, that joy will always find a way to express itself, even in the landing of a plane. So Mary uh, is, uh, as she closes out Luke chapter 1, she, in responding to the goodness of God, she writes an incredible song, and I want you to, to hear this today, and then I'll extrapolate some principles here. The first, it's in verse 46. It says, Mary responded. So, oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arms has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down the princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. 
He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made the promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word and truly give us understanding. Amen. Mary, through this song and several verses, highlights a few things that we can see his goodness and we can rejoice over. And I think this would apply to all of us here today. But the first one is this, is I can rejoice because he sees me. He took notice, she says at the very beginning, of this lowly servant girl. And there's nothing like the reality of knowing that somehow because of God's activity that he sees you. Have you ever had a moment where God did something on your behalf that made you acutely aware that he saw you? Often it is God's actions towards us that give us the reality that he sees me. When we were in Cuba meeting at different pastors' homes, uh, we would uh, work during the day and be in pastors' homes at night. And one of the things that really struck me was that when we would walk in and we would sit down to eat, every single time uh, they were preparing their best meal for us. And on the last one that we went to, uh, it was probably some of the poorest pastors that we had met. And average person lives on uh, $25 a month there. And they were living in a very rough part of the community. And they, we had eaten the meal. And afterwards, we had a wonderful prayer time. And God was just moving in a tremendous way. And, and we had just incredible prayer time. And the presence of the Lord was so rich. It was a time of encouragement. And I'll never forget the pastor at the end said these words. He said, um, the Lord told me to bring your best offering. And they spent two months wages on the meal. And then he said this, because of what happened, he said, now I know that God sees me. Now I know that he is the God who sees. And he saw this, this lowly servant girl. And I just think we can rejoice because we serve a God who sees us. Second one is this. He said, rejoice in the blessing. It's from now on, all generations will call me blessed. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. This is important because the authors of the Gospels are making something very clear. Because the last word of the New Testament, or the Old Testament, was cursed. You see, because of the people's response to God, God had said, I'm going to go silent. And for 300 years, there's nothing that God had said. And the last word was, because of your actions, you're going to be cursed. And now, the longest page in your Bible has no words on it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And then... So when God begins to speak in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the worst words that Mary says is, I'm blessed. And it means to uh, be, be highly favored of the Lord. Uh, and some translations say, happy am I. How many of you want to be favored and happy from the Lord? Amen? I, I do too. We want to see the goodness of God. And so she's rejoicing in the blessing of the Lord. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're blessed. You're blessed. 
You may not look like it, but you are. We're going to rejoice in salvation. And it says, he has done great things for me. He has, she said, he has done great things for me. And I just want you to know that the only way to describe our salvation is that we have a great salvation. Luke one thirty two says, he will be great, talking about Jesus, and he will be called the son of the most high. Luke 7 says this, is that he will be a great prophet. Uh, Hebrews, it says he's the great high priest. Hebrews 13, he's the great shepherd. And Titus says he is a great savior. We have a great and wonderful salvation. And we cannot take it lightly. We must rejoice in the salvation that we have. And then she says, and we'll take a little bit longer on these other ones. We can rejoice in his mercy. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. And I just love this because he shows mercy. He shows kindness. He shows goodness. Some translation says he has caused his mercy to flow towards me. And it's, it's, it's undeserved, but it is his, it's, it's his goodness that he extends to us. But there is a condition to it. It says it is um, mercy that's extended to those who fear him, to revere him, and those who honor him. His mercy, his help flows to those who honor him. Isn't that a wonderful thing? In the scriptures, it says that Jesus, when he went to his hometown of Nazareth, it says that when he went there to perform miracles, now by this time he's performing miracles all over the world or all over the known area. And when he, he walks into his hometown, you'd think that that's the place where he could do the most miracles. But it says he could not do many miracles there simply because a prophet is not honored in his own town. They couldn't see him as anything other than the carpenter's son. And therefore, the lack of honor led to the lack of miracles. There's, there's something attached to the way that we honor the Lord. And when we honor him in our worship, when we revere him, with our worship, when we honor him with our time and we honor him with our giving, you know what that leads to? That leads to mercy flowing in your life. That's why it's so important that we honor the Lord and all that we do and have deep respect and fear for him. And what happens is it causes his mercy to flow towards us in new ways. One translation says this, wave after wave after wave after wave. I'm thankful for the waves of God's mercy that just keep coming and coming. And maybe that's what uh, you, uh, may, maybe we need in this season that we're in, this Christmas Eve. Maybe you came to watch a kid. Uh, but really what you need is you need mercy. You need another wave of mercy extended to you. We can rejoice in his mercy. And then the next one here is we can rejoice in victory. It says his mighty arm has done tremendous things. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. Now, she's referencing something in the history of Israel when she sings this song. In fact, this whole thing is proof that Mary knew her Bible because everything she's singing about is in the Old Testament and everything is a reference to something that God has done before. Well, I want you to help me out here for a moment and just humor me. I know you might not want to do this, but do it anyway. 
because I got the microphone. Uh, I want you just to flex for me if you can. Come on, show the guns. Here you go. Oh, show the guns. That's good. All right, you got it. All right, somebody. You flexing. I can tell some of you have been working out today, okay? They say that um, the arm of humanity can create many things. They say that with man's hands, we, you know, think about all that mankind can create. We can create cities. We can create boats. We can create cars. We can put people on the move. We can create quantum computing and quantum computers. And it's amazing what we can create with our arms. And some theologians call this part from the elbow to the hand, the mother of the arm, because we reflect the character of God in his creativity by with what we create with our hands. If this is the mother of the arm, though, I'll just say this is the father of the arm right here. Come on, guys. There we go. But this story in Numbers 11, it is an incredible story that happens in Numbers 11 because God is providing manna from heaven. He's providing manna from heaven. And the people said, we don't want manna anymore. We want some meat. How many of you just like some good old meat every once in a while? Come on. And they're like, we're tired of this bread. We're going to need some, some meat. And they start complaining because there's no meat on the menu. And what happens is uh, God hears the spirit in which they requested their meat. And he says, okay, you want meat? I'm going to give you some meat. They said it was better that they would, back home at least they had garlics, they had leeks, they had spices. And he says, I'm going to give them so much meat. Literally, you can read this, Numbers 11. It's going to come out their noses. That's how much meat they're going to have. I mean, that's a whole lot of meat. It's going to come out their nose. And Moses says to the Lord, that's a good, I'm glad you're going to give us meat, but where are you going to get all of this meat from? And the Lord asks him a question. He says, is the Lord's arm not, has, it, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Has it been waxed small? Some translation, has it been shriveled up? I just love that, that picture. He says, has my arm that used to be here been shriveled up so they can no longer do what I extend it to do? And obviously the question was not because God then provided enormous amounts of quail, so much so that it says it was four to six feet deep and you couldn't find the end of it in a day's walk. That's a lot of quail. That's a lot of meat. Have you ever, I had this happen to me the other day. I was at a store, and I was uh, standing next to a vertically challenged person. Have you ever been standing next to a vertically challenged person? We were looking at stuff, and I watched her gazing up at the top shelf. And I knew what she knew. There's no way she's going to be able to reach that. So she says to me, any chance you could reach up there? I want to look at that and bring that down to me. And I said, absolutely. So I reached up, and I pulled it down uh, to her. And I just think there are often situations where we feel vertically challenged, where we feel, you know what? How in the world am I ever going to do this? How, how am I going to rebuild this? How am I going to restore this? How am I going to repair this? How am, I going to, how am I going to do this right here? I'm going to get out of debt. But you know what? Here's the beautiful thing. We serve a God whose, whose arm, if it's out of our reach, it's never out of his reach. Amen. And I just, I just felt today that um, 
I'll tell you the craziest thing when I was in uh, Cuba that I was unexpected. One night we went walking and we start seeing lights and we start hearing. And I'm thinking, what have we got here? Walking down in Cuba and we decide we hop a fence. Yeah, we hopped a fence. I know I'm in a communist country, but that didn't deter me one bit. I could blame ignorance for a few moments, I guess. We walked up to the stadium. Inside of the stadium was, uh, we found out, uh, they just recently opened up uh, UFC MMA fighting in Cuba, and that was the first match in Cuba ever for the qualify for the F- F- or UFC Ultimate Fighting. So I thought to myself, I paid $2, and I went there and watched this. And I thought, how in the world did I end up in Cuba watching an MMA UFC fight? Only, only we would do that. So we get in there, and I noticed at the end of every one of those, you know what they did? They lifted the hand of the one who won. And I just want you to know that the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. It isn't. And you know what he loves to do? He loves to take your hand and raise it up with his and what he does when you and through you together. Amen. So we can rejoice in the victory that his arm has won for us and that he's helped us. And you and to just say this, it won't come from you. It's normal to feel like things are beyond your reach and beyond your abilities. But it's with the mighty arm of the Lord. He has done tremendous things. I just have a question. I wonder if by a show of hands, how many of you have ever had the Lord do something tremendous for you? Raise your hand. Put your hands up. Come on. That's what I'm talking. Can we just give the Lord right here in the middle of the message? Come on, some praise. That's it. We can rejoice in, and this is a good one, injustice. Never thought about this. It says, he has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. The haughty ones. That's an interesting word. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. Uh, This is interesting because I, I, I think this is awesome because God usually in Scripture is the great equalizer. He has a way of bringing people that thinketh too much of themselves. That have uh, exalted themselves high. And God says in this one, I'm going to bring them low. But also what you're going to see here is this is where God turns things upside down. He, 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 He focuses on three kinds of people. He focuses on the helpless. The humble and the hungry. Mary begins to talk about, he says, uh, the rich you turn away, but the hungry you give food. Those who exalt themselves you bring down, but those who humble you lift up. Those who cannot help themselves, you extend his help. You know, when Jesus came into the world, he turned it upside down. He turned governments upside down. He turned religion upside down. And can I just tell you, when he comes into your life, it can't stay the same. He'll turn everything upside down in your life. But you know, upside down for him is right side up for us. Am I right? When he turns it upside down, he turns it right side up for you. And I think what better time to to reflect the upside down work of God than when we uh, at Christmas focus on the helpless, the humble, the lowly, and the hungry. 
That's why this Christmas we have decided to, on the stage. Now, some of you are like, man, they done messed up. They ain't got no money. They turned the Christmas tree upside down. But the reality is they now sell these. They're upside down Christmas trees. And we are doing it as a sign because that's why we put the, the, the ornaments on that tree is because this year we just believe that God's going to turn Christmas upside down. And can I just tell you in our Kingdom Builders initiatives and our work that we're doing all around the world, can I just tell you that um, we're turning it upside down in a great way. We have already had the greatest miracle offering we've ever had in the history of our church. Come on, let's go. Let's go. That's it. And I just want to thank you for what you've done and thank you for your ongoing generosity. I just really appreciate it. Rejoice in justice. And the next one, I would say, is rejoice in his promise. And this is, this is what we'll close with in the next few moments. I'm going to invite just the worship team to come and just to get ready. No need to play, but just to get ready. This is the last one we'll spend a few moments on is to rejoice in his promise. It says he had he has remembered his promise to Israel. He has remembered his promise to Israel. You know, in the scriptures, you see, they call it the fifth gospel. We just had it on the screen, Isaiah 9, that when he comes, the government will rest upon his shoulders. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. That was, that was given about 700 years before Christ came. So the Bible is like one large neon sign with an arrow pointing to one person, Jesus. In fact, when I tell my kids, if anybody asks you a question from the Bible, just say Jesus and you'll be right most of the time. Okay, That's cheat code right there. That's Jeopardy cheat code. And what Mary is alluding to is they had been waiting for the promise. Have you ever made a promise to your children that they never forgot? Did you ever promise them to buy ice cream? And then you're out of time to have ice cream, but you got to keep your promise and they nag you about the promise. The other day, you know, I'm 43. I relatively think I have, I'm not, maybe not in my prime, but I'm close to the prime, okay? And we're playing soccer in the backyard. And my daughter is just a soccer aficionado. She's really taken, like she thinks she's the next Messi Ronaldo. It's awesome. She's awesome. And so I thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'll give you $10 if you, we're going to shoot 10 goal balls on this goal. And if you can score more than five, I'll give you 10 bucks. Now, I thought that's easy. I can surely get five. First one goes by me. I thought, okay, that's a warm-up. All right, we ain't nothing. Second one goes by me. Oh, I'm in trouble. Third one, I got that one. And I think it ended up being I only stopped two out of ten. She got eight out of ten by me. Hey, that's Come on, that's girl power right there. But how many know the brother had to pay up right there? Ten dollars. I think it cost me more than ten dollars, to be, to be honest with you. You know, here's what I'd just say is... Jesus, we just read it, was born in Bethlehem. And here's what you might not know. Is that Bethlehem means the house of bread. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And since the end of Malachi, the last prophet who speaks, here's what you need to know. There had been no bread in the house. 
You know, when Cuba is a communist country and what they try to guarantee is that every person will at least get one piece of bread. One piece of bread. And so in the mornings while we're driving, we would see people lining up with a ticket because the government issues them a ticket and they line up and wait for one piece of bread. I was just amazed at how long people would wait for one piece of bread. I asked some people, I said, is it good bread? They're like, I don't even know if you should call it bread, but it's bread. And I just thought they had a promise from the government that they could at least have one piece of bread and how long they were waiting for bread. You know, what happened when Jesus came into the world is that fresh bread was in the house again. The Bible says that Jesus says in John 1, I am the bread that comes from heaven. I am the bread of life. Have you ever been to like, uh, have you ever heard of this uh, wonderful biblical restaurant called Krispy Kremes? <laughs> you know what's crazy? I, I think I was there and somehow I'm in the middle of a mission trip in Cuba and we're having conversations about Krispy Kreme. Somebody, I guess, went to Krispy Kreme. But you know what I, I like about that is, have you ever walked in there before to a, in a Krispy Kreme before? How, I mean, like you've been in there, right? You walk in there, and I, I, I don't know what happens, but it's almost like the sugar gets on you just standing in the place. I mean, it's everywhere. I leave there, and I feel like i got to change my clothes or something. If you're diabetic, you can't even walk into that place. You not, forget to eat it. It's coming on you. So, Krispy Kreme. But you know what I love about them? is that when you're driving by, you can go there anytime you want. But I'm going to tell you when you need to go is when they got that hot, fresh sign on, lit up. Uh, and, and because that it's, it's hot, it's fresh, and, and, it, and it's good. I just tell you, during this season, the Christmas season, you know what it reminds us of? Is that there's fresh bread in the house. Jesus is alive. He was the Son of God sent from God. We have a great salvation. He has done great things for us. He sees us. His mercy flows towards us. How many know just like Mary, we got a little bit to sing about this Christmas season? Amen? Come on. Let's all stand as we get ready to close. Well, some of you still trying to figure out that diabetic comment. I don't know. It just came to me. I'm not responsible for everything that comes to me. Come on. Hey, what a wonderful time we've had just uh, celebrating our children and worshiping the Lord. And I'm wondering if you, this Christmas season, wouldn't just take a moment to have a moment of prayer here at the end. And Would you extend your hands out in front of your palms up before the Lord? And I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and just close your eyes. And I'm speaking now to um, the first person in this room the first group of people are those who've yet to receive christ those you have yet to receive his mercy you know what i love about the bible it says this that god demonstrated his his love for us and that he sent the son and i just want you to know you may not believe this but it's true that the flow of god at this moment is towards you not away from you That God has already made the first move towards you by sending your son, the sending the son a couple thousand years ago. 
He came into the world. And that's what this Christmas season is teaching us, that he came for you. He came for me. And if you're, you're here and you've never made the move towards him, you've never opened your heart, you never said, Jesus, save me, cleanse me, forgive me, I say yes to you, Lord. You become my Savior. If you've never known what it's like to have a joy that overflows in your heart, you've never known what it's like to be forgiven of the Lord, to have a clean conscience, and you're here and you're like, I need that today. I need that bread of life. I've had stale bread, but I need fresh bread today. If that's you, partake of that. Jesus, save me. Don't leave here, Grandpa, Mom, Aunt, Uncle, Sister, Brother, Friend, without saying yes to Jesus. Receive the Lord this morning. If there was a neon sign in here, it'd say fresh bread right now. Give your heart to the Lord. That's it. And I just sense the Lord saying, this, 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 this in my spirit right now. I just can just, you feel beyond the reach of the Lord. And I just want to declare to you, you are not beyond God's reach. His arm isn't shriveled up. It's not too short. It can reach into your heart this morning. He can reach in right now. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Let him do it. If you need it, lift your hands up to him. Come on. If that's you, just lift it all the way up. Oh, Lord, today I need you. I need you, Lord. Save me. I'm pausing because I don't want to be in a hurry. I can just sense the Spirit. Just give time today. Just give time right here in this service. It's not an ordinary service. This is the Christmas season, and you need to be born again. You need to be saved. Give your heart to Him right now. Oh, Lord, I give my heart to You. Now I want to speak to the second group in here. You know, I just think this Christmas season, we, we, we have so much to be grateful for. We're in, in, a, in a year term, we're getting ready to land the plane on another year. And I just thought, you know what, church? If they can do it for the landing of an airplane, surely we can do it for the end of a year. And I just wonder if there's anybody in here today who would say, you know what? Has he seen you this year? Come on, has he seen you this year? Come on, would you let him know about it a little bit? Come on. Has he seen you? Has there been a moment, an unshakable moment, where the Lord, he saw you and you knew it? Has there been a moment, maybe this year, where he did something great? He did something tremendous for you. It was a great thing. It wasn't a small thing. Come on, if that was you, put your hands together. He did a great thing. Come on, just declare it in here tonight. He did a great thing for you. It was a tremendous thing. Oh, are you grateful, church, that he showed you mercy? It came just when you needed it, wave after wave after wave. You thought you were done. You thought you were through. But just at that time, it came rolling in again. His mercy, his favor. Did he lift you up? Come on, did you, were you in a low place? Were you in a low place this year? 
And he just reached down and said, give me a hand. And he pulled you up to a high place. And how many of you are thankful that when you read the word, when you prayed and worshiped, there was fresh bread for you. There was daily bread for you. Come on, if any of that speaks to you, can we let them know? Come on, one, two, three, just let them know. Just let them know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's fresh bread. There's fresh bread. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that in this place today, Father, you're doing wonderful work in our midst. Father, I thank you that you've saved this morning. We celebrated our children. Man, how awesome was that? Oh, man, people have been saved in this place today. They've been born again. And I'm just grateful, Lord, that you're a happy God, that you give joy, and that there's overflowing joy. And there's fresh bread in the house. Lord, we give you praise for it one more time. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord for what he did today? Amen.